Do you always seem to be in a hurry? At the end of your day, do you often find that your to-do list isn't done? Has anyone ever told you to slow down? Do you ever feel guilty when you relax? Do you even know what it means to relax? Have you ever found yourself scheduled to be in more than one place at one time? Does the pace of your life have you stressed? Last week here at Sunrise, we began a new message series dealing with stress. And we started out by talking about some of the general principles for surviving stress. Well, beginning today, we're going to get into some of the specific causes of stress. What are the things that contribute to our stress levels? And the first one that we're going to look at is our schedules, our busyness. We're going to talk about busyness today. You know, always running here and there, trying to get accomplished what needs to get accomplished. Maybe you felt like the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. No, 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 I'm overdue. I'm really in a stew. No time to say goodbye, hello, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Maybe you felt like that. And what a crazy world we live in. It seems like every hour of every day is filled to the limit with things that need doing and we never seem to have enough time to do it all. How often have you caught yourself wishing for more hours in the day or more days in the week so that you could finally catch up and finish everything that you're supposed to do? But regardless of how much time you have, it never seems to be enough. What got us in this position? How did we ever get so busy and so stressed out about everything? I mean, there's, there's always been stress. It's always been there. There have always been people with far too much to do and far too little time. But I think there are some unique contributors to our stressed out busyness today that weren't prevalent, say, 50 years ago. So let's take a look at some of these busyness boosters. And the first one we're going to look at is this, the erosion of boundaries. We have an erosion of boundaries that's taken place. We used to be able to tell the difference between when we were at work and when we were at home, when we were on the job and when we were off the clock, when we were supposed to be busy and when it was okay to relax. But those boundaries have eroded. And I think the primary culprit for this is technology. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my technology. Hey, I've got a podcast, a blog, an MP3 player, a cell phone. I use a laptop and a video projector. I've freelanced by designing websites. I've even bought one of those iRobot vacuum cleaners off of eBay. Technology is not evil. I love my technology. But isn't it ironic, don't you think, that in our technological world we find ourselves getting busier and busier and busier? Modern technology promised us that all the new conveniences would save us time and make, lives, make our lives easier. But computers and fax machines, uh, the internet, cell phones, they've increased the pace of our work rather than reducing it. At home, dishwashers, washing machines, vacuums, microwaves, they have made life easier in some ways, but all that freed up time has been filled up with other chores. Serving on community committees, both partners working outside of the home, schlepping the kids around to hockey and music and school activities, and a host of other time-consuming activities. 
In the U.S. in the 1960s, the subcommittee of the Senate studied this whole area of time management and they came up with this prediction. They predicted that because of the advances of technology, within 20 years or so, people would have to drastically cut back on how many hours they spent at work and would have to start retiring earlier. That was their, predi their prediction. The biggest problem that they could foresee would be what people would do to fill all the extra hours they gained from the use of technology. In a 1994 Gallup poll, 72% of the people surveyed believed they'd be working less due to advances of technology. But in, in reality, the opposite is proven true. Even though predictions predicted that we'd be working less and we'd have all this freed up time, well, since that survey in 1994, we're now working 22% more hours. And we have 8.5 hours less leisure time per month. Hey, just in the month of April, I received 1,388 emails. Even if most of them are junk, and most of them are, it still takes me a while to sort through them all. And when I go away, even if it's for just a few days on vacation, I have to check my email. Otherwise, I'll be overwhelmed by it when I get home. And particularly with email and with cell phones, it can become very difficult to maintain boundaries. I mean, you can be on the job while lying in bed. The boundaries that used to be present in our world and in our lives, those boundaries have eroded. The second busyness booster we're going to talk about here is the explosion of choices. We've had an erosion of boundaries and we've had an explosion of choices. We have more choices today than ever before. We've got more potential vacation destinations, more channels to watch on TV, more activities to sign the kids up for, more websites to visit and files to download and more stuff to sort through when you go shopping. In the 1950s, the typical corner store had about 1,000 items in stock. Just 1,000 items. Today, Walmart stocks about 130,000 items. That's a lot more stuff to sort through, to compare, to evaluate, and to buy. And connected to that, we've got more stuff filling up our homes. This is an American statistic, but in the U.S., 10% of households have things that they keep in those rented self-storage facilities. That's an increase of 75% in just the past 10 years. More and more people are making use of these rented self-storage facilities. And in the past 30 years, the size of the average house has gone up 50%. So we have bigger homes and more stuff in storage. You know, it's nice to have, have choices. But the downside is that we've become busier sorting through it all and taking care of it all and we've become, we've become poorer because we've spent our money on all of these choices. Another business booster is the increased demands that we face today. How many times do you hear about factories laying off 30% of their workforce while promising to maintain current production levels? Those 70% left over have to do a lot more work to make up for the shortage of personnel. Or think back to technology again. Technology was going to make our lives easier. We were supposed to have less to do. But instead, technology has made it possible for us to do a whole lot more at a much higher quality. We now do more and we do it better. 
That's what's expected of us. We've had increased demands which have made us busier and more stressed out. And a fourth business booster would be larger debts. Larger debts. Now this is actually one we're going to talk about more in depth in a few weeks. But our debt load certainly adds to our stress levels. And it adds to our busyness in particular. You've got to take that second job to pay the bills. You've got to expend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out how you can shuffle money from here to pay this over here. We've got to spend the time trying to balance what we've paid cash for and what we've used our credit cards for, what we've used our debit cards for, what we've paid with PayPal, and what automatic payments are coming out of our accounts. That's a whole lot more complicated than it used to be. And, and it's led to a lot of people spending more than they thought they were spending or spending more than they thought they could handle. Well, we're going to get more in, into debt. Well, and maybe that's not the right way to put it. But we're going to talk more about debt in a few weeks. So let's leave it at that for now. The fifth and final business booster we're looking at this morning is this. Believing that busyness equals success. We have this deep-rooted belief that the busier we are, the more successful we must be. But busyness is just busyness. And that's no indication of, of success. In fact, you can do this. You can go to the library and you can check out all of the books on success. And if you read through every book, and I don't think you'd ever have time to do that because there's a lot of books at the library on success, but if you did, if you went through every book on success, I don't think you'd find one that told you that in order to be a success, you have to get busier. In fact, a lot, of, a lot of them would tell you that what you need to do is reorganize so that you're less busy. Busyness is not an indication of success. It's just an indication of stress. Okay, so there's a lot of things that add to our busyness. That's just five that have come to the forefront in recent years. So what, we, what do we do about all this? How do we regain control over our schedules? But let me make some suggestions. I'm going to give you five keys to battling busyness. The first is this. To beat busyness, I must learn to say no. I've got to learn to say no. You know, there are all kinds of expectations placed on us, and there are people that we don't want to disappoint. But sometimes we just have to say no. You have to learn to say no to some things in order to say yes to other things. Because you can't do everything. You know who understood this? Jesus. Jesus understood that in order to accomplish the things he wanted to accomplish, he had to say no to other things. In Mark chapter 1, for example, we, we read about how the disciples of Jesus came to him and told him that everyone wanted to see him. All of the people who were in the city where they were, in Capernaum, they had heard about Jesus and they had heard about his miracles and so they wanted to see him. And his disciples came to Jesus and they encouraged him to go out and spend the day with these people. But do you know what Jesus said? He said, no. He said, I have other things to do. I have other places I need to go. He said, the whole reason I'm here is to travel to these other towns too and to preach to them and, and tell them about the kingdom of God. Here's exactly what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 1, verse 38, he said, We must 
go on to other towns as well, and I I will preach to them too. That is why I came. That is why I came. How did Jesus decide when to say no and when to say yes? He decided by measuring everything by why he came. What did he want to do? What were his goals? Why was he here? And then he would look at each individual thing and he would ask, will this help me to accomplish my goals? Will this help me to do what I'm here to do? And by doing this relentlessly, this is what Jesus was able to pray to his Father just before his crucifixion. John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus prayed this. He said, I brought glory to you, talking to his Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. But the only way he was able to say that, the only way he was able to finish the work that he was given to do is because he identified why he was here and he said no to the things that didn't contribute toward that. So let me ask you, what are you here for? What's your purpose? What has God called you to do? If you can identify your purpose, then I promise you it will help you to determine what things you need to say yes to and what things you need to say no to. Number two, in order to beat busyness, I must create margins in my life. I need to create margins in my life. I'm talking about reestablishing the boundaries that have been eroded. We talked about that earlier. I'm talking about turning off the phone. I'm talking about going for a walk, shutting down the computer, switching off the TV, just taking some time to relax. Turn off the car stereo once in a while and enjoy some silence. You don't always have to have something going on. Decide on a date night with your spouse and stick to it. Create boundaries there. Don't let busyness ruin your relationship. Have family times that aren't driven by a hectic schedule. Clarify when you're at work and when you're at home. Have some free time every, work, every week that you guard with a passion. And don't feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty about having free time because you need those kinds of margins. You need time to rest and refuel and re-energize. So if somebody asks you to do something and you're not tied up with something else, it's still okay to say no. Yes, you should be willing to help out some people from time to time as well. But you also need those margins. You do need those times to relax and re-energize. And if you find yourself in a condition where you need that, then feel free to say no, even if you don't have other commitments that you need to be at. Hey, God thinks these margins are so important that he included in the top ten commands that he gave to us. The fourth commandment says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Sabbath day. That's kind of a funny word, isn't it? Sabbath. We don't use that word a whole lot, but it literally means cease or rest. It means knock it off. And basically, it's referring to taking a full day off from all our work and our busyness and investing that time in being refreshed and renewed as we devote time to worshiping God and to God-honoring activities. For the Hebrews, who were the first to receive this commandment, their Sabbath was from sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. For Christians, dating all the way back to the apostles and their disciples, the Sabbath has traditionally been Sunday. But whatever the day is, I think the principle behind it is that we need to find one 24-hour period of time someplace in our week 
where we can set it aside, we can set aside our work, and we can spend time resting and worshiping our Creator. It's good for us. It's good for us spiritually and emotionally and physically. And even beyond this Sabbath, we need to create margins every day. We need that 24-hour period sometime in our week, but every day we need some of these margins as well. Moving at high speed from the time we get out of bed to the time we go back to bed does no good for anybody. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. So you need those margins. Create margins in life. Thirdly, to beat busyness, I must put time with God at number one on my to-do list. Earlier in our worship celebration this morning, we looked at a passage from Luke chapter 10. And in that chapter, Jesus and his disciples went to have dinner in the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now understand, Jesus was there with all of his disciples, plus there was Mary and Martha too. And so there needed to be a meal for at least 15 people. Even by today's standards, that's a pretty big Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner. And if you've ever prepared one of those, you know there's a lot of work that goes into it. So Martha got right to work. And remember, she would have had to make everything from scratch. No pre-cooked meals from the store, nothing she could pull out of the freezer, no microwave to heat things up in. She had a lot of work to do. But as she was slaving away in the kitchen, her sister Mary went out in the living room and just sat there at the feet of Jesus and listened to him teach. She was in awe of him and she was just honored to be in his presence. Until finally Martha couldn't take it anymore. She had had enough. There she was working hard to get the dinner ready for their guests and Mary didn't lift a finger to help her. And so Martha tore into Mary right there in front of Jesus and she complained about how unfair it was. And Martha asked Jesus to tell Mary to help her. To help her out in the kitchen. And how did Jesus respond to this outburst from Martha? He responded and said this. He said, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And he said, Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. You see, Jesus wasn't nearly as concerned about the meal as he was about Mary and Martha. He didn't care about what they ate. He cared about them. He was there to spend time with them. And he wanted them to spend time with him. Yeah, a meal did have to be prepared. After all, he, Jesus was invited there to eat. So Martha wasn't doing anything bad. But she was missing out on the best. Spending time with Jesus. You know the scary thing? This happens all the time. Even in churches, people get so wrapped up in doing good things that they neglect the very best. They miss out on knowing Jesus and developing a relationship with Him. And Jesus warned us about this. He said in Matthew chapter 7, He said, On Judgment Day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and perform many miracles in Your name. Those are all good things. Those are all things done serving Jesus. And then Jesus said, I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. Above everything else, 
Jesus wants us to know Him. Not just do things for Him and serve Him and volunteer in His church. Those are all good things. But He wants us to know Him. That's the best thing. So take a break. Spend time with Him in prayer and in reading the Bible. And get to know Him. Put time with God at number one on your to-do list. Number four. To beat busyness, I must schedule downtimes to follow hectic times. I need to schedule downtimes to follow hectic times. You know, Jesus had some pretty stressful days. Let me tell you about one day in particular. That morning, Jesus had heard that his relative John had been executed. And so Jesus tried to get alone so he could mourn. But as soon as people heard that Jesus was in the area, they came to him and they brought people to be healed and they wanted to hear him teach and so they pressed in around him. And Jesus complied with that. And he healed people and he taught people right on into the evening. From early morning right into the evening he taught them. In fact, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and the disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. At least 5,000 people were there crowding around Jesus at supper time. Maybe upwards of 8,000 or 10,000 people. And let me tell you, as a public speaker, no matter how much you enjoy it, it can be draining. So I can only imagine how exhausting all this would have been for Jesus. And then to cap it all off, Jesus performed a miracle, taking five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding everyone that was there. He had had a very stressful, hectic day. And he capped it off by performing this miracle and feeding all of the, these people with just, just a little bit of food, five loaves of bread and two fish. And then we get to what I want us to notice here this morning. We're told in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, it says this, Immediately after this, after feeding all the people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, what did he do? It says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus had had an incredibly busy, hectic day. And he finished it off by spending some time alone in prayer. Even Jesus, who is God, needed time to regroup and recover. And that's a regular pattern you see in his life. He'd spend the day surrounded by all these people making all these demands and then he'd spend some time alone in prayer. And I think that's a, a good example for you and for me. Even beyond creating margins for everyday life as we talked about earlier, even beyond that, when life becomes especially stressful, we need some downtime to recover. A couple of months ago, most of us went to Kindred Spirits for a winter retreat. And it was a fantastic time. I loved being there and spending a few days with you. But, to be honest, it was also a lot of work. A lot of work leading up to it. And a lot of work during those few days in particular. It was a very busy time for me. So do you know what Shara and I did? We planned to stay a couple extra days afterward. 
You see, I knew going into it that it was going to be a very busy time. And I knew that I'd be completely wiped out by the end of the weekend. And so I scheduled some downtime. And let me tell you, I needed it. And I enjoyed it. So when you encounter a, a particularly stressful time in your life, a very hectic, busy time, let me encourage you to do the same thing. Schedule some downtime. Purposefully put it on, in, your, in your calendar. Take a vacation. Or at least make sure that your workload will be lighter for a little while. Maybe send the kids on a sleepover so you have some time to yourself. However you do it, make sure that you have some downtime after a particularly stressful, busy, hectic time. Number five. The final thing we're going to talk about this morning is this. To beat busyness, I must clear away the clutter. You need to clear away the clutter. Do you know what I did this past week? Well, most of you know that that my wife, uh, Shara, is on a mission trip right now, so she's away for a couple of weeks. Do you know how I, I filled in the time? Can I brag a little bit? I went through all our cupboards in our kitchen. I got rid of stuff that was outdated or that we don't use. I, I organized a couple of closets. I, I sorted through a bunch of papers. I packed up or threw out a bunch of stuff. Uh, and yes, some stuff that, that I thought maybe Shara might have a say in. <laughs> I did set that aside to check with her before I threw it out. I'm not stupid. Uh, but I spent a lot of time just sorting through things and clearing away some of the clutter. Basically, I tried to simplify. I tried to get rid of stuff that was just excess clutter in our home. And you know what? It feels good. It feels good to clear some of that away. Ron Hutchcraft, in the book Living Peacefully in a Stressful World, said this. He said, areas of chaos or clutter can cause stress just by looking at them. They may be closets that overflow, drawers stuffed with without grown clothes, or a garage that no longer has space for the car. Clean these little areas for a fast move toward peace. That's what he said. And I think that's very true. We all have these areas of clutter in our lives that if we could just clear away some of that clutter, it would help us tremendously to experience peace in our lives. But it's not just the fact that the clutter is there. It's how much time you waste because it's there. I got to thinking this week, how much of our lives are spent just trying to find things or sort through piles of paper or clean up the stuff that's just cluttering our homes. How much time do we waste on this clutter? I'm sure that we spend years of our lives doing these kinds of things. And yet we hold on to all this stuff thinking that it adds value to our lives. But Jesus told this in Luke chapter 12, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But you know, it's not just our possessions Yes, our possessions get cluttered, but our, our schedules get cluttered too. Our relationships get cluttered. Our goals get cluttered. Our priorities get cluttered. Our budgets get cluttered. Our TV viewing gets cluttered. Our minds get cluttered. Our spirits get cluttered. And what we need to do is clear away the clutter. We need to simplify. Identify what's important. And stop committing time and energy to the rest. Look, we all have demands and expectations that are placed on us. 
But that doesn't mean that we have to become enslaved to busyness. We can control our schedules instead of our schedules controlling us. And in so doing, we can greatly reduce the stress level in our lives. Let's pray.